With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Larry Johnson's four-point play. My guess is you know this shot. You remember what it looks like, but you don't remember the context. What was happening in this moment? All of the details. Well, that's what we're here for. Here's the backstory on this moment. It's the spring of 1999. The Let's be real, gripping fear of the Y2K bug hasn't yet completely strangled life around the globe, and basketball fans everywhere are able to appreciate a strike-shortened NBA season. Talk about strangling. Rich owners pinched every last dime out of their employees, and the consumer paid for it. That old chestnut. Anyways, the 99 season is strike-shortened. 50 games. The Knicks are barely above 500. They're the eighth seed in the playoffs. Barely made the cut. And who do they get first round? Who's the one seed? The Miami Heat. This is the third of four straight years where the Heat and Knicks faced each other. Each series was tied going into a final game, including this one, where Allen Houston hit the game five series winner. The eight seed Knicks now move on to the next round where they sweep the Atlanta Hawks. Now the eight seed Knicks are in the Eastern Conference Finals against another 90s rival, the Indiana Pacers. The Knicks start the series again on the road, but split the first two games, both close games. But they steal home court advantage and head back to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, when all of a sudden... Breaking news. The New York Times breaks some news in a newspaper, by the way. And here's the headline. Ewing to miss rest of playoffs with a torn Achilles tendon. They're already the eight seed. Strike shortened season. They beat the one seed on a buzzer beater in game five. They've somehow made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Split the first two games against the two seed. And now they lose arguably the greatest New York Knick of all time, Patrick Ewing, for the rest of the playoffs? Is it time to fold up? Is the run over? Did Cinderella's glass slipper tear Big Pat's Achilles? It's time for Game 3, New York City Pacers-Knicks 1999 NBA Playoffs. That's enough of that. The game is tied after one. The Pacers take a five-point lead in the half, but the Knicks get those five back in the third. We're tied going into the fourth quarter when the Pacers go on a 10-0 run, but the eight-seed Knicks come back and cut the lead to three. With 11.9 seconds left to play, still a two-possession game, or so you've been told. The play was designed for Allen Houston, who had again just recently hit a series winner against the Heat, but he's doubled by Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose. Charlie Ward, Heisman winner Charlie Ward, inbounds the ball to Larry Johnson, who squares up on the basket, and his defender, Antonio Davis. LJ, Grandmama, swings the ball low and jab steps to create some space. Antonio Davis closes again, so Larry upfakes him, which draws the foul and allows Larry Demetric Johnson to let go of a deep three-pointer on the whistle. Is fouled and hit. This is first back. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides if they're good enough for the First Ballot Hall of Fame. We don't just induct great sports moments. We put in the moments that matter. Do you hear what I'm saying? We look for First Ballot moments. No shit. You got to deal with it. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Jolly Bee Chicken Joy, half 
the Jewish half of Jordan Farmar. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. Mr. Not Always Right, but never, ever wrong. Coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by... Ball is Life and the Ball is Life Podcast Network. Check out my good friends at the Ball is Life Podcast Network. And today's episode of the show could be sponsored by, we could be sponsored by the song Jump Around by white hip-hop pioneers House of Pain and their frontman Everlast. The song <coughs> Jump Around could sponsor the show. Throw me a little money. I'll plug the hell out of it. Let's play a clip. Let's play as much of the song as I'm legally allowed to play. Here we go. Pack it up, pack it that's it. Whichever uh, record company owns the uh, House of Pain Everlast catalog, you know, hit me up. I can get you thousands of listens, maybe tens of thousands of listens. But let's make this worth my time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Larry Johnson's four-point play in Game 3 of the 1999 Eastern Conference Finals is without a doubt a great sports moment, but sometimes that's not enough for the first Bell Hall of Fame. Is this moment good enough? we got to find out, and we will find out with the help of our guest. He's a comedian, writer, actor, and producer. You might know him best from co-starring the very funny beloved sitcom Happy Endings, or maybe his role as Dr. Peter Prentice in The Mindy Project, but this man has done so much more. My family loved him in the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, Iron Man 3 and The Mandalorian. I loved him on 101 Places, The Party Before You Die, with former first ballot guest John Gabris. He's been a voice in American Dad, Solar Opposites, and BoJack Horseman. He does sketch comedy, including Key and Peele, The Kroll Show, The History of the World Part II, where he played noted Jesus betrayer Judas. His late-night appearances are many and legendary, and he sat courtside at a Knicks game right next to Everlast, who was the lead singer or rapper from White Hip Hop Pioneers House of Pain, which famously recorded the classic song Jump Around. It's the white legend himself, the impossibly funny Adam Pally. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Adam. very, that was very good. Very good. <laughs> Adam, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, uh, it's really nice of you. Uh, can we talk quickly about you sitting courtside at the next game? What is that like? Do you hear trash talk? How is the experience different? Can you go into detail about what it's like? To, we all want to live vicariously through you for a moment. What was it like to sit courtside at the next game? You, you want, well, I mean, I, I've sat courtside at a couple of Knicks games, uh, not just at the Garden. Are you asking for, for what it's like to sit courtside at the Garden? Please, let's start there. Or are you asking for what what it's like to sit courtside at an NBA game? I want to know. I want to know. Let's start. They're different. Let's start at the – okay, that's perfect. Let's start at the Garden, and then we'll move on to the differences. Okay, the Garden is an experience all in it, in its own. It's especially if you're lucky enough to be um, treated as one of the, the people of note there there's a separate entrance a separate restaurant separate snacks mm. separate beverages separate club mm. separate everything and it's top line and it's great and then sitting front row at the garden is great because it's one of the few um arenas in the nba where they black out the the um bowl i guess you would call right. it or whatever so the court is really lit up so it's really bright so it does have the feeling that you're on stage yes which is um you know for someone like me quite quite enjoyable <laughs> um so it's 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 pretty it's a pretty unique experience um can you hear the trash talk you can't hear trash you sometimes you can hear trash talk you can definitely hear like co the coach and the players talking and stuff uh any any do you trash talk at a game like do you cheer against the team i do the i i do yeah yeah i yell and i trash talk i yell at the ref and stuff and and i'll yell at the players like respectfully um but uh i wasn't that day i was i was kind of more um reserved happy to be there do you exchange numbers with Everlast? How does that work? Do you guys talk? Do you have the guts to exchange? Do you have you ever exchanged numbers with a celebrity that you wanted to befriend and be friends with? Is that a move you can pull off? Sure. Up? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've exchanged numbers with celebrities. Sure. I have. I have a a couple fun people on my phone. But um, Everlast, I don't think we changed numbers. But he did invite me to his his restaurant, which I I never I never got a chance to go to yet. But um, Everlast, if if you're listening, I, I'd love to to take you up on that, especially now during a strike. 
he'd he'd um i'm sure it would be i'm sure it would be a lot of fun uh uh so tell me what are the differences between where else have you sat courtside have you been in courtside i sat courtside in los angeles and in toronto wow tell me about what's Mm -hmm. what are the differences like what is it uh, courtside at staples well staples is cool staples is a little more um it was for a clipper game so it wasn't as big as a, a Laker game, but it was still kind of like, you know, um, showy. There's a, it, it takes a while to get going, you know, like right. the Knicks, there's not like the game, we know we're going to lose, you know, so it's like <laughs> you show up early, it's all part of it, you know, because the, the more the game goes on, the less exciting. <laughs> I've met a guy uh, that works for the Garden and he told me that one of his favorite stories was he went back to that um, the place where the celebrities will mingle, you know, halftime mm. before game after game. And he said he saw Larry David there, and he was wearing like a sport coat with a, with pockets. And Larry David was mm. just pulling chocolate chip cookies off of like a carousel and sticking chocolate chip cookies in and in into his pockets, no napkin, nothing, just straight into the pockets, which I loved. I will say that that um, they're good cookies. They're really, I get it. They're really good cookies. There's something must do something special to make them. That is a lot um, of fun. Uh, let's table set Adam quickly. What is your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, my favorite sport is basketball. My favorite team is the New York Knicks, and my favorite athlete of all time is Patrick Ewing. Got it. Uh, amazing answer. How how old were you in this? Uh, window of time for the Knicks? Uh, it was my my youth. I mean, um, I was uh, in 1990. If I'm 41 now in 1992, I was how old? I can't yeah, you do were, that. You were. <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> no, but you were. So you were in that like 9, 10, 11, 12 year old range. It feels like for yes. the Knicks team. That's a yes. great age. And I remember team. the finals vividly, not just because it was also OJ, um, but I remember two of 16. And, you know, it was um, it was a crazy time. Also, the Rangers were in the finals. And, um, you know, it was just a crazy time. New York was like on fire. Yeah. Did you respond to the violence of that um, of that Knicks era? The, the, the you know, Mace and Old? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. I remember staying up late to watch them play Phoenix because they always used to beat the shit out of Phoenix, like actually physically beat the shit out of them, like not just like beat them up. Like Oakley has bodies buried in the desert. Uh, I don't know why the Knicks hated that Phoenix team so much. You know what it was? It was like Pat Riley came in and he was wearing the suits and the slick back hair and and it was it was instead of it being like i'm going to be this in and and make it feel like la he kind of came in in a way and made it feel like new york and it became like very uh you know it was almost like a mob it was like the mob or something you know when he hit (laughs) new york and everyone was wearing armani and you know and the team was tough you know we had people like anthony mason who like we signed off the street you know like he was and like (laughs) uh players like um john starks who like i don't remember where john starks went to college um but i know he had a circuitous route to the nba and we were just tough you know like we were no one wanted to play us it was a headache and 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 that was you know i think you you identify with the team that way you identify with like the scrappiness of a team totally i love that idea of of Riles sort of being the engine behind that because you're right. Obviously the Showtime Lakers and the suits and the slick back hair, then he comes here and he takes the mob and then he goes to Miami and creates that Miami culture godfather. Retired like, mob. Yeah. Retired mob mentality. Yeah, no. Yes, Riles exactly. is the greatest. He must yeah. be a he must be a world class storyteller. Like to me, if he does a doc someday, it, it'll be electric. It'll be fantastic. Oh, I can't wait! I hope there's a doc about it. It'll be so good. Uh, I yeah. you mentioned Anthony Mason. I, a lot of people in my um, past, a lot of people, Adam, have compared my game to Anthony Mason. I'm very I'm broad shouldered. I can handle okay. the ball though. I'm point forward. Lot, point, point forward. Point forward. 
Very uh, great court vision. Uh, I can run the so offense. You're getting the rebound. You're getting the rebound and going straight out. I'm the going break. up you're the court. You're not making outlet passes. That's exactly you're not right. Making I'm taking passes. it. I'm taking right. it. So uh, you're, you're, the guards hate you. I hate me. <laughs> yes. The guards That's hate true. playing with you. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. That's a great point. They did hate me, uh, but that is my game. I heard you in an interview say that you used to play basketball with Sudeikis. Uh, yes. I do loathe sudeikis because he's like a really (laughs) funny successful guy in the industry but he's also as i'm told very good at basketball and then he's got great sneakers so i i hate that idea i'm shocked what about me is not ticking you off do you were you good at basketball yeah (laughs) yes i'm good do you have a player (laughs) Did you play in – okay, hold on. Did you play at any level? Did you play in um, – played uh, in high school. You did play in high school. Yeah. You were on the team. Yeah. Well, I didn't finish – like, once I found weed and comedy, I was like, fuck this shit, but yeah. <laughs> what position did you play? Point guard. Point, fantastic. Did you start? Mm-hmm. This is amazing. How old were you when you start when you, when you last started a basketball game, how old were you? 15 maybe amazing 16. that's good this is fantastic okay how good were you i was good <laughs> i don't know why you're laughing <laughs> no 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 i like i have realized in doing this show that my favorite thing to do and the easiest way for me to connect with another human being is to talk about how good we used to be playing basketball that's a very uh, I'm still good. Okay, great. That's great. <laughs> I, I got a game. You don't want to fuck with my game. <laughs> Describe your game. Was there a player comp? Is there a player that you can compare your game to? I've been told I have like a, a bit of like a Mark Jackson okay. game, kind of like a, a bit of Rod Strickland. Got it. <laughs> a little Jalen Brunson to my game. Okay. That's those are those are uh, great. Those are great players. Do you still play pickup at all? Or are you are you full lot time? I was dead? playing pickup. I was playing pickup into forty into forty one, and then I I tore my rotator cuff this Ooh, year, and damn. I you know I went to the doctor and he gave me that speech that's like, look, we could do surgery, but you're old. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like. Shit. <laughs> so I haven't played in like six months, but I'm hoping that if I keep up with the PT, which I haven't, uh, in a, in like another six months, I'll be able to lift my arm. Well, we, are, my... We, we are we are thinking about you. We're praying for your your comeback. Um, you should be. All my haters should be. <laughs> I the last play uh, pickup game I played in, a guy I was absolutely cooking. Uh, Adam, it was nasty a lot of a lot of um mm-hmm. in you know high post passes to the low post a lot of tricky stuff and then all of my sort of patented post moves a lot of like over the left hand shoulder turning jump shots uh fake right go left but it was That's going yeah, but yeah. it was going down you it was going down it was going really well and then the right. guy defending me as i jumped inbounds pass came high i jumped for it and he i felt like he low bridged me and i had a big uh, I, I blew up at him and i yelled at him because i was like we are old men and I realize that you want to win this game. I want to win this game too, but you have to draw the line at something that might injure me because if I get injured at this game and then I'm in rehab for years, maybe I'm never the same again and I have to go do like grown-up, you know, man husband stuff and I'm injured, that's going to be ridiculous. Don't follow me. I blew up. They got mad at me and I've never played since. Yeah. Well, you seem like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> i how dare you um uh, super <laughs> seems like a fun time maybe <laughs> uh, yeah sounds like someone i definitely want on, to run with <laughs> i want I, hold on you you are making a fine point and i cannot object to it i do want you to know that if we were to play together i feel like you uh-huh. notice a, a quick uh, symbiosis right away in our games right. meshing together well I when would that be when you were calling foul <laughs> well <laughs> when would we really mesh when i was like oh good foul call <laughs> let's move on 
Uh, I was a, I'm a <laughs> huge late night guy. Your appearances for me, legendary number of prominent oh, late thank night you. appearances, the Conan thank stuff you. with the famously costumed Conan appearances. Is that mm-hmm. your idea? How does that come together? Uh, it's pretty organic. Just say the, the, the um, first time I did the show, that's just something that I wanted to do. I was like, cause I was a huge Conan fan and had been actually like cut from his, show in new york as a as a sketch player like several times Ugh. and uh a lot of my um friends and and mentors are, are, were writers there and just really love him and and so i had this idea that i wear a tuxedo and then you know just kind of kept i kept doing the show quite right. frequently so there was there was an opportunity to kind of build on a bit because it didn't seem so far away it wasn't like years between appearances so right. i just kind of kept doing it <laughs> you know uh your your guest spot your, your guest hosting spot on the late late show we have one friend in mm-hmm. common nick bernstein he's been on the show a number of mm-hmm. times uh Love i him. am probably nick's best friend uh he is not mine uh nick can't go through a meal without bringing up your late night performance on the late late show with um your, uh-huh. your partner ben Schwartz. <laughs> Do, do you think of it finally to Nick? It's like the, one of the best moments of his life. I bet you it's a top 10 moment of Nick's life. Do you feel the same oh, way? How do you know? He's got kids and a beautiful wife. No, I would, no. he's, it's the truth. Don't, don't he discovered me. Jimmy Fallon. I wouldn't, no, <laughs> I no, don't no. think that it's true. The late late show is the best moment of Nick's life. But I, I, um, do I think of it fondly? Yes. I think of it incredibly fondly. I, I, I had a blast and I feel like it's, it's one of the, um, the only times in my career that like my comedic voice was able to get from like my head to the screen. Um, Cause that is really, it's really hard to do that. You yes. know, there's so many challenges in, in make getting something made. So the fact that, and, and Nick also, you know, Nick on the term discovered is so, um, you know, weird, but Nick, Nick found me when I was, mm. you know, 20. Mm. So, I think we, by the time we worked together, I think he knew what I was all about and and knew how to like put it into television. So it was just kind of like perfect team, perfect situation. And we worked really hard and did a good job. It's really great. It is really great. And I do love Nick. Thank you. Nick is the best, but it's also- He's the greatest. To to give him shit. Um, No, it's he's very easy to. And then the hair, I mean, my God. Yeah, I thought that would go when he was off camera. Same. I thought for certain they'd make it a finale, like end of the show, like we're gonna cut. I tried to the last time I was on. I said I was gonna cut, and he freaked. He freaked out. He was like, "I'm not doing it." I was like, "All right, you're missing a viral moment. No big deal." (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) Do you think he's made his hair a part of his personality now? I think now he is. Yeah, and I think it's really one of the dumber moves ever. Like, what is he? Is he gonna start auditioning when the strike's over? What is he doing? Would you ever want? I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm older than you. I feel like I still hold a late night show in very high regard. I love late night. I loved late night. I do love late night. Do would you? Do you, are you? Do you think you and Ben would ever find a moment in your careers where you're like, hey, remember that thing we did and how funny it was and how people know about it and talk about it and there's an oral history and it comes back up every year and they talk about it on podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Would you guys ever go, hey, let's run this back and do this seriously? On a one-off or for some specials or something, mm-hmm. I think we would do it. Yeah, I, and, and we love working with each other and I think, you know, anything that would let us work with each other, I think we would both definitely take a hard look at. But um, I don't know if I, like, I love late night. It's it's in my blood and I'm, you know, I love the the old Hollywood vibe of it. And I love, like going into 30 Rock um, is truly like an amazing experience every time. And uh, I'm so privileged to be allowed to, to go and come freely. Uh, and I, um, I, but I don't know. I don't know if I have truly like the personality mm. that America wants to see every day. <laughs> you know, you know what I, I mean. Think like you I think do. it. I mean, I, the, I don't listen, know. The grind is tough. I don't. You know, that's that. The grind is something that I. 
you know, have a hard time understanding, but you, I mean, I appreciate the grind. I like it. And I, and I, and I think that those guys are truly like the workhorses of the industry. Um, I always move from project to project. Mm -hmm. I really have never sat still. And so I, it would be nice to like settle in and be like, I'm a talk show host, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't know if that's my, my thing. Because I think that you never, no one would know that it's their thing until they do it. Yeah. It's like being the head coach of a right. football team. It's right. like, you know, is anyone like, oh yeah, I'm the best head coach. Right, right, right. It's like, <laughs> how do you know? You don't know until you get put in that position. Yeah. Yeah, it's my my. If you were ever to do it, I'd go. Don't don't do a talk show. Don't do the talk show that you watch. Do the thing that you did with Ben that night because that was electric. And I'm sure Nick would say the exact same thing. Yeah. No. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. I hope you know, and I hope you take a moment to think about maybe today. Uh, when I think about your career, I think you're beloved. You are beloved. People people oh. that are your fans love what you do and love your charisma and your energy and what you bring to projects. And and I hope that you take a moment to appreciate that and, and know that and feel that from from your fans, including myself. I uh, I I already I'm already on the podcast. <laughs> I'm Can already I, here. Let me talk about my favorite part of your career. You it's you're in in this moment, you're a bit more of a setup guy, but you I think you play a very important part in this moment that I want to discuss. Uh, 101 places to party before you die. Episode one, Denver, end uh -huh. of the episode. You asked John about the best meal he's ever had in a mortuary. I, I don't know. I guess I don't want to. I want to drive people to go. Let's watch the moment on 101 places to party before you die. I think it's on Max. Uh, go watch it. Mm -hmm. It is that moment. Let me tell you, you're a late night guy, so you'll get this. It's like to me, it's like um, Conan old timey baseball. Letterman mm -hmm. Taco Bell and this <laughs> moment in that episode I was in real tears and it's oh, I have you. a terrible memory and what you guys did in that moment really is devastatingly funny and oh thank um, you passed so my favorite comedy test which is the shaky camera test because your camera guy <laughs> is clearly laughing and you guys we left that shot that. which is so much so much fun yeah, we have a lot of that, which was the best part. I mean, th that show is the most fun thing to do. I hope I that as soon as the strike is over, um, we can make plans to do it again. Um, because it was, it's truly like rolling into a new city and writing and producing a TV show in four days and then leaving and going to another city and doing it again is one of the greatest jobs in the yes. world. <laughs> it really is. I hope you guys, if you, even if you don't do it for true or whatever, I mean, just shoot some for YouTube or something, put it out. I feel like with all the fans. Yeah. Are I mean, we have, we, we're, we're, we're figuring it out. There's a lot of um, moving parts because of um, mergers and yeah, yeah, yeah. rights and acquisitions and HBO and, you know, we'll figure it out as soon as I think the strike will be lifted, hopefully soon. soon. And then, We'll figure it out. And then we'll head to Europe. <laughs> uh, let's dive into our moment. We have to decide whether Larry Johnson's four-point play goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. To do that, we have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the uh, categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is always analytics. Here are some stats. Here are the numbers behind this moment. I'm going to read them to you, Adam, if you have any thoughts, jump in. Some background. This is 1999. The playoffs for a 50-game strike-shortened season. This is a lockout season. The New York Knicks were the eighth seed coming in at 27 and 23. They'd already beaten the one-seed Miami Heat and the fourth-seeded Atlanta Hawks. The Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're the two-seed in the East. They had the same record as Miami, the one-seed at 33 and 17. Indiana had swept both the Bucks and the Sixers to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you remember your opinion of this Pacers team? Were you scared of this Pacers team at the time? I wasn't scared of them. I hated them. I hated them with a passion. I hated Reggie Miller. Right. I hated Mark Jackson at the time. I hated everybody on that team. Uh, Rick Smits was a German, was a Nazi. <laughs> Were you? You know, it was like an easy team to hate. As a comedy guy, as a person that enjoyed and appreciated comedy as a kid, was there any part of you that could appreciate the Reggie Miller grabbing my throat choke moment with Spike Lee? 
Like, were you, is there any part of you that could enjoy no. that? Or, no. Okay. See that? I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was like, like that moment to me is like one of the worst. It's like, it's like talking trash is so vulnerable. Yes. You know, like any athlete knows that. Like any, if you, like you said, you were cooking on the court and whatever, like when you're cooking, when you're, when you're playing and some things are going good, you're vulnerable. You're like, I don't want this to end, you know? And so when, when you hear stories about Michael Jordan, like, or Larry Bird, like really talking trash, the thing that always got me was how they were like, okay. They were so okay with being made a fool of. Right. Cause like, do you know how embarrassing it is to, be, I mean, do you, it's so, it's one of the worst feelings ever to be like, I'm going to cook you. I'm going to cook you air ball. And then everybody's like, Oh, boo. It's like, that is hell, hell on earth. And it happens so frequently All the time. to people, you know, because once you start talking, you start losing focus and you start, you know, messing up. And so I, sports is one of the only places where you can trash talk and it you see the result you're made a fool of right then yes. and there yes. you're literally like right then and there and it happened to spike to all of us really because spike is all of us it happened to all of us on national television in the biggest moment ever when before there was cable it was just it was awful it was a horrible moment uh, the Knicks won game one by three points, 93 to 90, steal home court. Pacers won the next game by two points, tie at 1-1. This was game three, which the Knicks won by one point, 92-91. Let's dive into the stats on this game. Ewing had an, a partial Achilles tear in warm-ups of game two. Ewing is, is not in the game, I don't think. Correct. He, he is injured, does not play in game three. So a couple things happened. One, Rick Smith, the German, feasted 25 points on eight Fuck of 13. Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> And number two, the Knicks needed someone to pick up the load. That was Larry Johnson, who was 10 of 18 right. from the floor, three for six from deep, 26 points, eight boards, and a steal. Big game for LJ. And he did it with with no back. He did it That's with right. no back. He didn't have a back. This is late in his career. He's a little. His back had fallen out. Yeah. It's tough. And he was still doing that. And, like, LJ, to me, LJ doesn't get enough credit as a as one of the best power forwards, I think, especially when you consider that he was undersized mm -hmm. and he started his career as kind of Zion Williamson. Like mm -hmm. he was, he came out of college and was, I mean, he's on that UNLV team, right? Yep. With like Stacey Augman. Yep. And that, that team was Greg Anthony. Like he came out of college and was dunking That's right. on Rick Smiths. That's right. You know, like he was grandmama mm -hmm. and then his back fell off and he, instead of like, Sean Kemping it and being like, well, that was my dimension. His second half of his career is almost bona fide to be better than the first. I mean, his Nick yep. tenure is, he's an amazing leader. He takes an eight seed to the finals, makes the playoffs every year. That's, that's a, I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit. Is he in the hall of fame? He, I don't think he is, but I love, I that's love bullshit. where you're going. That's fucking bullshit. Larry Johnson's not in the hall of fame and Jamal Crawford's going to get in the hall of fame. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I really appreciate where you're going with this. Uh, yeah, he it, he did have that like Zion-ish, Blake Griffin-ish, like early, high-flying, super athletic. You know, that run in Reb's college team was phenomenal. Amazing. Those but what does Hornets he do? Were electric. But what does he do on the back end of his career, you're, which I, the other right. guys don't? Yeah. He develops a three-point shot and becomes unguardable. Because everyone's running to the line to get him. What did he shoot? He must have shot over 35%. Uh, from three over his career? From three. This is great. I'm gonna look or at least up. that year. I'm going to look this up. Let I mean, if he was jump. three for six. First of all, no one is taking six three-point shots a game from the power forward position in 1999. No. So that right there, yes. no one. So that right there is some Van Gundy magic. That right there is Van Gundy being like, smoke him if you got him. That's right. And that's coaching. He shot this uh, during this season. He shot 36% uh, from three for the entire regular season. Let me look at the for the entire season. That dude should be in the, that's, that dude should be in the hall. I, I First really, of all, I, I, I appreciate your love for him. I would say that him and Detlef Schramm were like changed the 
changed the the kind of way that the four is looked at the mold i agree yeah i totally agree i love this adam do you prefer today's game what are your thoughts on today's game versus you know the the game you grew up with during the 90s i like the game today i mean i think it's 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 way prettier it's it's way more fun to watch i think that it could stand to throw in a little more help for the defense like i I, I don't understand why you can't hand check. Right. I don't think like a hand check would stop Steph Curry from hitting 13 threes. I think it would be more fun. It's 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 so good. Everyone's so good. I mean, so can you good. imagine back in the day having like four players in the league as good as Luca? Crazy. Like in 1999, you had Jordan and Pippen. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> And Clyde Drexler. Like, I don't care about Clyde Drexler. <laughs> Clyde Drexler, one of the great names in NBA history, though. I will stand by that. That whole Portland team had great names. Duckworth, Drexler. Terry Port, Buck Williams. Stop. Terry, yeah. Good team, good names. Great Rashid name. later. Uh, the Pacers even the series at the Garden in game four, but the Knicks won the next two, closed out the series in six. Knicks go on to the finals and lose to the Spurs in Five, your thoughts, your memories of that finals against the Spurs. The finals was, I remember everyone not even, we were like, so we, we were, yeah. they had Tim Duncan and David Robinson. That's right. And they were a monster the year before, I believe, too. And it was just a fait accompli that, that, that the Spurs were going to win. I think for everybody in, I think they rolled through the West. Yeah. So, the fact that we even made, I mean, after Allen Houston hits that shot in Miami, yep. New York, New York loses its collective mind for two weeks. And then as soon as we get to the finals, New York comes back to itself and goes like, you had a good run, boys. <laughs> Did you, do you remember the Lynn period? Like you, you mentioned two yeah, crazy sure. weeks in New York. I, as a, as, as a half Asian, as half Filipino, I think back to that Jeremy Lin window. I was living in New York at the time. That window was as crazy as I've seen it as a basketball fan who went to that Lakers Knicks Jeremy Lin game. Are there other great windows of Knicks time? Do you have other great other favorite Knicks phases? No. <laughs> it is kind of thin. Desolate. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I love, I love all the Knicks teams, like even the Howard Isley, like time period, like I, I you know, Chris Duhon and David Lee in the pick and roll. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I love it all, you know, <laughs> but no, no. I mean, it's, it's been a tough slog. I think the Ewing years into the Sprewell Houston years were like golden. Yeah. And I think. Uh, again, people don't give Allen Houston and Sprewell enough credit. Like, Allen Houston had no knees. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw him score 55 points there one time on all jump shots. Oh, my God. And it was, like, awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And, you know, he wasn't just that. He was tough. He was a good defender. Allen Houston played good defense. And I think... It just it's been a long haul. I do think we're in, headed in the right direction though, as every Nick fan will ever will tell you. <laughs> do you uh can you think of a jump shot as good looking as um as uh Alan Houston's? Alan Houston? Yeah. Hubert Davis. Oh, interesting. You get you're staying in New York. I get it. I get it. Alan Houston, gorgeous jumper. Amazing, amazing. But you see, Alan Houston's jumper is great in context like mm. you know who had a, a, as beautiful a jump shot also new york carmelo anthony gorgeous like beautiful carmelo jump. and Allen houston's game were actually very similar i like and this. and and it, it's like you could Allen houston could put you on his hip and spin the opposite way and the yeah. jump shot didn't look any different than yeah, if he yeah, was yeah. wide open yes which is like a little different hubert davis is like steve kerr or something like yeah, spot yeah, up yeah. gorgeous but houston and Mello, i think are the the jump shots that i'm like I th that is perfect. Yeah. I think Alan Houston's jump shot, stay with me for a moment. And I mean this. I think part of what makes Alan Houston's jump shot so good looking is that he is also good looking as a guy. No, like he, same thing with Mello. Same yeah. thing with Mello. Mello is a handsome man. I mean, if, yes. if Carmelo Anthony and Alan Houston looked like the Teague brothers, right. we wouldn't care. <laughs> 
It's true. It's funny how that stuff matters. Uh, you, as a kid, you moved to Chicago. What does that do for your Knicks fandom? You're like a pilgrim in an unholy land. Grows it. It grows it. Good but also, you. there was no. You, you were allowed. You still are. It's funny. Like you're allowed to be a Knicks fan yeah. and love Michael Jordan. Interesting. It's one of the only things in the world like that. Like Kobe too. You can do Kobe too. Right. Not LeBron. Not LeBron. Uh, Curry. <laughs> Steph. You can. Steph, you can be like that with Steph. What, yes. to, to what do you attribute this? We love Steph. You come to the garden, you score 60 points. Right. You put on a show. We love you. Right. We love you. Jordan did it like 70 times. Yes. <laughs> it was literally like a Broadway show. That's so, fascinating. So you've got Jordan's 55, you've got Kobe 61, you've got Steph's whatever, 53 Curry's or 63. something. Yeah. 63. Six, is, did he have 63? Is that what it was? 63. Oh, my God. That's my boy. There's no LeBron game that sticks out at the Garden? He dropped like 55 ones, but we don't – it just – and I love LeBron. Yeah. We just don't think of him that way. Right. New York doesn't think of him That's that way. That's fascinating. I love this. I really appreciate this from a real New Yorker. What's New your – It's like Kobe, yes. Yes. Kobe, yes. Kobe yeah. is beloved right. in the Garden. But Le- LeBron, people are like, nah, dude. That's fascinating. Because I, I agree with you on the surface. Like, it, you say that out loud, and I go, yeah, I completely buy that. That's fascinating to think about. It's just it's just the way that people respond to the games. Like, Curry, I, rem- I remember last year, when, when two years ago when Curry put the 63 up, he was on the cover front page of every New York yeah. paper. <laughs> and we were a good team. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were good. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the playoffs. We made the playoffs that year. Right. Like... <laughs> You know, like, I think we were the four seed. And it was just like, they, we, we love superstars that are superstars. Yeah. We love it when you come in and you do what you're supposed to, like, yeah. you know. Ugh. And I don't know why we, we feel differently about LeBron, but we do. Maybe I, we won't this last tour right, around. Right, right, Maybe right, when right. he comes, maybe it, it was just, it's too fresh. Yeah. But we gave Kobe standing ovations in like his third year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe it was – maybe – does it have anything to do with the fact that you guys thought maybe you were going to that get we're gonna him? That we are going to get him? Yeah. But we thought we were going to get Jordan every year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every free agency year there was a thing that's like, yeah, Jordan's coming to the Knicks. <laughs> that's a classic Nick fan. <laughs> I do – The only team worse about that is the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do love – the idea of a performance so great that New Yorkers collectively just take their hats off. Hey, what are you going to do? Great game. Oh, we we're, we do that all the yeah, time. I love it. We're, we're I think we're the most gracious for sure fan fan franchise for sure. Full stop. This is not up for debate. Watching a game at MSG is special. Yeah, I don't think you can debate it. If you yeah. if a visiting team comes to MSG, like if and the thing that's that's true about it is like. If Charlotte, if the Hornets came to MSG and Gordon Hayward dropped mm-hmm. a fifty spot, mm-hmm. he would get a standing ovation. Yeah. From oh, I crowd. love this! I love this. He, we don't, we don't fuck around like that. Yeah. You know, we we give it to you. <laughs> I love it. If you can make it here, you can make it everywhere. Oh my god! I wish I was born a New Yorker. It kills me that I live here and I'm not a born New Yorker. It guts me. I hate it. Um, <laughs> The next credential is the eye test. What did you see in this moment as you rewatch this play, this highlight? Do you see anything in the footage that sticks out and makes this moment special enough for the first Bell Hall of Fame? The well, it is the single greatest New York replayed moment uh, at sporting events. No matter if it's a Giant game, a Jet game, a Rangers game, a Devils game, uh, Yankee game, a Met game, if the home team is behind. By enough that it's right. within shot and the game is getting close. Right. They will play the Belushi speech <laughs> intercut <laughs> with the four-point play and that one bird's eye shot yes. of the garden, yes. everybody standing yes. up at once. And it is truly, again, it's like I think the reason it's first ballot hall of fame is like the four-point play is so desperate mm. anyway Mm-mm-mm. it's a desperation mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it, 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 we celebrate them we put them on sports center if they're in the, the first quarter of yeah. a blowout yeah. you know it's like if it's a four-point play it's going up there yep. you're down by four points yes in the playoffs yeah and you end up tying the game and winning 
Yes. It's like, that's a, that's like true Cinderella stuff, you know? Plus it's Knicks Pacers, like the history of that. Yeah, and it's, uh, rivalry and it's is there. it does feel uh, like USA versus Nazis. It doesn't yeah. feel that way. <laughs> You're doing the thing that I've talked to Nick Bernstein uh, at length about. You're making me enjoy this episode in this moment so much that it's drawing me into this lovely feeling and emotion where I want to induct this thing, but I got to be difficult. Here's the question as I watch mm-hmm. this moment. Is Larry Johnson fouled? Do you or can you say beyond a shadow of a doubt that Antonio Davis fouls Larry Johnson in this moment? Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? These things are important. We have to know that the, the answer to that are question they? is yes. Are they? Are they important? <laughs> Did David Tyree have full possession of that football when he hit the ground? <laughs> Truly. It's it. What's the fucking difference? He got hit on the arm. He got hit on the arm. Time is running out. The ball goes in. There's no more time. Right. What's the fucking difference? Well, Truly, what? I don't. I, like, what are you gonna say? Well, he didn't get fouled, so that three point shot from four feet behind the line, while the time is while the ticket time is going down, and there was contact. But let's let's look at the NBA play. What the fuck are you talking about? Yes, he was Listen, fouled. It's a Adam. four point play. It's the greatest, the greatest tie up of any end. He hit the free throw. He hits the free throw. It's great. And no one talks about that. It's great. It's great. I, I can't you listen, you're making a compelling point. You mentioned that bird's eye view shot. That's our posterized uh, uh credential for today. Any great images. That that full wide stadium shot. And by the by, you got don't look at that that highlight, that bird's eye shot in the, you know, stretched out 16 by 9. Look at it in the true 4 by 3 because you see more yeah. New Yorkers, you see more of the crowd and everybody erupts. It is an electric part of this moment and it wasn't in the game broadcast which I found interesting. Uh, but it certainly made its way onto the internet and into basketball lore for forever. It's a fantastic shot. The other thing, I, the, uh, another another thing from the iPad test that I noticed, la- they cut to Larry Bird, and I'm almost certain. I'm not a lip reader, but I'm. I bet my house on this. I believe he says, "You got to be shitting me." They cut to Larry Bird. He goes, "You got to be shitting me." And doesn't he say that? Which is such an '80s. It's I know that's 99 but Larry Bird, you know, it's like it's such an 80s reference. Yes. Like it's such what the 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 villain that was going to put an oil yes. rig on top of the football field but then the kids outsmart him. You know what I mean? And then at the end he's watching like the kids plan and he's just like you got to be shitting me. It's like that is that <laughs> It so is funny. that moment. <laughs> That is a perfect sentence. That is so funny. Oh, my God. I'm taking that with us. Uh, My last thing that I want to mention, and I mean this. I can't mean this more. This is not a bit. This is not a joke. This is real. Patrick Ewing's outfit on the bench. I, I saw this game. I watched this game on NBC. I saw what Patrick Ewing was wearing, and I went out and bought that outfit. Do you believe that? I hundred percent do. Refresh my memory. What it is, is a it, is, it is a, a black jacket? it is <laughs> eight ball jacket. It is a black it, it is a black suit, a black sh- collared shirt, and a black tie with silver diagonal uh, stripes. Oh hell yeah! Well, that was Patrick in his like monotone. Yes, you know yes. head coach. I'm gonna be a head coach. <laughs> Look, when this is all over, he tore that Achilles and put on a suit so quick. He was like, well, (laughs) let this signify a new phase in my life. Uh, Yeah, I had no fashion sense or fashion style. So if I saw an NBA player doing something, I would go, oh, that's what I'll wear to this wedding. And I don't remember what wedding it was, but I legitimately went out and bought that suit. Pardon, I had a black no, suit, I, but I bought the shirt and tie for, because of Pat. I did the same thing. I know I did the same thing. I, I, that's all. It was extremely problematic at my Simon Schechter Day School, and I walked in with a Malcolm X hat. <laughs> Pat, uh, Pat Ewing. Uh, my mother was raised Jewish, but I was raised Catholic. My father's Filipino. It's Catholic. As Congrats. Thank you. Uh, my confirmation name. I mean, I think they'd still get you. I think they'd still get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
my my confirmation name was Patrick because of Patrick Ewing. And then when I took French class in seventh grade and you had to pick a name, I picked Xavier for Xavier McDaniel. Xavier McDaniel. And the French teacher was like, it's actually pronounced Xavier. And I was like, ugh. Oh, bummer. That's another player that is a badass. You didn't oh go to the God. paint and Xavier McDaniel. Oh. His biceps were, he was juicing. Let's be real. <laughs> there's the there's so many clips of Xavier being, of Xavier McDaniel being very violent. Hands on throats. Violent. <laughs> clenched fists. Violent. Yes, clenched fists. Like, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. One last thing about the Patrick Ewing outfit. Uh, I went to like a department store. I don't know if it was like a Dillard's or must maybe let's say it was a Dillard's for the store here. The guy, the guy that's working in the store, because I have a big neck, I can really take a punch. I've mm. got a big neck. He goes, mm-hmm. I go, can you? Because it was always difficult to button the top button. I go, can you measure my neck so I know what size to get? And he put the tape measure around my neck. And as he's doing it, he goes, Whew, you believe that? Yeah. Well, yeah, you got a big. <laughs> You got a big neck, my friend. It's like 18 and a half, 19. It's a big neck. That's pretty big. Head. Yeah. I My neck gets bigger the closer it gets to my third chin. <laughs> like, I, I, it's like, <laughs> like when I do my measurements, you know, I go all the way to the base. Uh, the next credential is the ear test. Here's the call from NBC's Tom Hammond, Bill Walton, and Steve Snapper Jones. Let's listen to it together. Charlie Ward will trigger the ball inbounds. It's Ward, Childs, Sprewell, Houston, and Larry Johnson back in. And I'm sure Larry Bird has told his guys, you know, we got a couple tricks here. We can foul for possession or don't foul on a three. Ward had it tipped. Johnson made a good catch. Johnson is fouled. Now do you see what I mean about the foul? Now do you see what I mean about the foul? Do you see how loud that whistle is blown and how many seconds before the shot goes in? It's true. It's all true. What are we talking about? The the Knicks announcer, that MSG announcer, that three-point goal, that stuff. Love him. Oh, my God. It's so He's good. He's still around. Yes. He's still around. Jalen Brunson. He's sounding more and more like Phil Rizzuto. Though, like the <laughs> yeah, old, like, yeah. You know how Phil Rizzuto at the end was like, Joe, <laughs> <Tabagio. laughs> So good. Derek, cheetah. <laughs> uh, the next credential test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in sports history. Can you think of, here are the, here are the, here are the great four-point plays in NBA history. Tracy McGrady hit a four-point play in that 13 points in 22-second run. Remember that that, mm-hmm. that play? Mm-hmm. Larry Bird hits a four-point play in that. But that's infamous... not the playoffs. That's true. That's not the playoffs. That's a, that's a great point. Larry Bird hits a four-point play in that infamous game against the Atlanta Hawks where the Hawks bench is going right. crazy. There's an apocryphal story that, that Larry says he's going to get fouled and he's going to hit it and fall in the trainer's lap, and then he says that people say that that's what happened. How does that moment right. stack up against this one? It stacks up. It stacks up, but it doesn't have the same juice because it's not – it doesn't have the same prospect of elimination. Yeah. Like, the Knicks go down 2-1 at home. Right. That whole series is different. It really does feel like it's the whole series swings on that on that play. Yeah, of course. Every series swings on game three. Yeah. Uh, Adam, can we talk about Mr. Throwback, the Steph Curry project you're working on? Can you tell us about yes, it? Yes, we can. Sure. Uh, sure, I can tell you as much as I can. Uh it's a new show on NBC that stars me and uh, Steph Curry, um, which is the classic, classic good cop, bad cop <laughs> that everyone's been asking for. Everyone, everyone's like, Pally, when are you going to work with Steph Curry? In Not in the basketball court, like in, 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 in comedy. And I'm like, say less. Hold my beer. Yeah, well, I, I count me as a as a as a viewer. If if that, if you get the chance to make that, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. I I will, and I'll need to count them because <laughs> we're gonna need that number. Um, burning questions: Is this Larry Johnson's best game? Can you think of a better yes. Larry? I think it is, right? Hands down, this is his pinnacle moment. And see, you think yeah. about a guy like Larry Johnson and the the part shaved into his head and the tooth and the game and the UNLV and and the and and the the, the later Knicks Grandmama. game, Grandmama. You start going, does Larry Johnson deserve a moment in the first battle Hall of Fame? And if you can answer yes, then don't you have to have it be this four point play? Yes, 
Man, yes. that's a lot to think about. Okay. The uh, the next credential is Twitter fingers. Any great tweets about this? Listen, this was uh, whatever, 1999. Twitter didn't exist, thank God. So let's go through some of Adam Pally's tweets. Adam, I'm going to read you three tweets. I want you to tell me which of these tweets is not a tweet that you tweeted. Do you understand the, the game here? I think so. The site, uh, here's the first tweet. The sight of my children is making me physically fucking ill. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted that. Okay, I tweeted you did. That. Okay. The edge between my day pants and my night pants has become razor thin. It does sound like something I would say. Okay, and here's the last one. I didn't turn down being in Dirty Grandpa. You think I'm going to turn down a vaccine? <laughs> that sounds like something I say, too. I think they all sound like they something all, I say. That's exactly right. Yeah. You said all of them. Yeah. That sound, they all sound like me. <laughs> God, I got to wipe my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> the next credential is the X Factor. Everybody knows what an X Factor is. Is there an X Factor in this for you, Adam? I have a couple I want to run by you, but do you have any X Factors? In this play? Yes. Uh, just the garden. Yeah. Just Madison Square what's Garden. Mine. Which is like, famous I arena. think, yeah, probably the building in New York City besides my house that I've been in the most. Yes. Oh, I love and uh, so it's like seeing that play, it is like looking at your, you know, like, it's it's like watching like something happen at your high school or something. There's yeah. something kind of like familiar about it. I love that. Uh, <clears throat> here's my X factor, Adam. Uh, Chris Dudley is in this game, and I want to take a, a moment to note that Chris Dudley's wife, who I would never make a joke about another man's wife, but Chris Dudley's wife is also named Chris Dudley, spelled the exact same way, C-H-R-I-S-D-U-D-L-E-Y. Now, I've heard... And I don't know how to confirm this, but that much like the Highlander, <laughs> if you are named Chris Dudley, you can only marry another Chris Dudley. <laughs> so I'm happy that he found one. Good for him. Good for him. I see the clock is winding down on us, Mr. Pally. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. It's called More Important We mentioned your kids in that tweet of them making you physically fucking ill. Uh, we haven't <laughs> we haven't talked about your kids. I know they're an important part of your life. Tell me a little bit about your family. What, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Adam. We don't have time for that because it's time. <laughs> it's time for something more important, Adam. I'm about to ask you a series of questions. Your answer to these questions will all be far more important than anything you were about to make up about your kids. Uh, your answers to these questions will define who you are as a man on this planet. Are you ready for more important? Yes, I think. Here we go. What is your favorite beverage? Sparkling water. Any any specific brand? Topo Chico. Wait, 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 wait. Topo Chico. Oh my God! Really? Ooh la la! Topo, Topo Chico. Chico. What an answer. Uh, yeah. do you... Rockefeller over here. <laughs> I didn't realize I was talking to a Rockefeller. Do you have any weird food things? My wife likes to eat the cho- like. I'll get her a box of chocolates, and then she'll eat the chocolates, and she'll rearrange the chocolate in the box to like create a pattern or to like balance the box. I really can't figure it out. Do you have any weird food things? Like sometimes I will uh, order a Caesar salad and a pizza and put the salad on the. Oh, pizza. that is. Ghastly! I can't even believe that's true. Is does it? It must heat up the salad. What's that about? Well, you you leave you start eating the salad while the pizza gets room temp. Okay. okay. And mostly you're not eating the pizza because the pizza was ordered for the kids. You yeah. know. Right. Right. But then, <laughs> when you lift up the box, you're like, oh, there's another slice in here. It kind of makes the perfect <laughs> delivery system for the rest of my salad. <laughs> that is a hundred percent a weird food thing. I appreciate that answer. Uh, Adam Pally, can you name a celebrity who you were shocked to see how good looking they are in real life? Uh, Rashida Jones. I, I am. I can imagine. I can imagine. That's a great answer. Yes. Mine is. Um, uh, I saw. Um, what's the? Guy? I'll throw her husband in there too. I'll throw Rashida and Ezra together in there. Wow, they're a very good looking couple. What's? I can't remember the guy's name um, in Law and Order: The Dark. Oh, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt. Mm-hmm. Holy, he's mackerel. very handsome. I can't believe yeah. it. Can't believe his face yeah, is real. Yeah, he's handsome. He's a handsome guy. Uh, Adam dunks or passes? Passes. What's your favorite pass? Do you have a favorite pass that sticks out? Like ever thrown? Yes. 
J- Jason Williams off the elbow. Oh, it's the best. Adam, I want I am so I want to make a documentary on just that play. That's sort of the the idea <laughs> behind this podcast is that we're just talking about singular plays. Let everybody else talk about the entire Lakers franchise, the entire 60. Right, I want right. to do a doc on just one singular play and I want it to be the Jason Williams elbow pass. That is my goal. That's uh, the greatest. It's the best. Uh you mm-hmm. punch Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian. You punch that little fucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Give me an oh hell yeah here. Oh hell yeah! Name another beloved character you'd like to beat up. <laughs> beloved character I like to beat. I'm a I'm a lo- I don't I'm a pacifist. I don't <laughs> um need to uh, uh, beat anybody up, especially at this time. It's like I feel like me a Jew saying I'm going to beat someone up. <laughs> Not I appreciate great. your your restraint. I appreciate that. You're a bit of a menswear matinee idol. Do you have a favorite pair of sneakers? Well, the Jordan One uh, original colorways, I think, are the are 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 kind of hands down like the most versatile yeah. sneaker yeah. that you can wear with everything. I would, and I love them. I am partial to a very specific. ACG model called the Nike Air Terra Humara. Mm. It hasn't been made in a couple years, but there are two colorways specifically of that model that I that are my favorite sneaker ever made. One is the olive and red, and the other is the silver and orange. And and they're really hard to find. They don't. They're not. Nike doesn't make them, but they are the to me the perfect. Ugh like casual new york sneaker i love that i love the specificity of that answer uh your wife used to own a thrift store do you have any favorite throwback sports jerseys or t-shirts of note oh yeah i mean i have a um, game worn messier jersey that i wear that that has been like shrunk in the wash for years and i wear it socially like you know like a sweater uh that i love um I have this. I love this. Is um, a Yankees uh, pop fifty-fifty like half polyester sweatshirt from the eighties with when they were wearing red for yeah. for a little. <laughs> um, so I have a lot. I actually shout out to the real Mister Throwback. Yes, um, there's a store in New York City called Mister Throwback that was part of the inspiration for our show that is run by a good friend of our family named Mister Throwback. So I. And and my wife again has a amazing eye, so a lot of my uh, thrift purchases are, are kind of done for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, last question, more important: name something that really kicks ass. Adam Pally, name something that really kicks ass. When you have a, a business trip and you have to go and and you go to a hotel mm. and it's like in a not like very popular part of the country or the world so it's like you're not going to be staying in the nicest hotel but you're there for business and then you get to the hotel and they bring you up to your room and you get up into the room and you're like oh well this will do you're kind of bummed a little bit but then you see that they have an espresso (laughs) that really does kick ass that's a great answer Adam Pally, that's it for more important. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for uh, the co-science, the last, uh, second to last credential. It's the floor is yours. The mic is yours. Adam Pally, does Larry Johnson's four-point play belong in the first bout Hall of Fame and why? 100% it belongs in the first bout Hall of, Hall of Fame. It's the greatest basketball play to ever happen for the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And as evidenced by the crowd's reaction, it's the greatest four-point play to ever happen. And it's um, a true New York moment, and those mean more. Oof. That's about as good of a closing statement as I've heard on this show. It's time for the induction speech. I have to decide whether this thing goes in. Let me tell you, this moment, oh, man. For me, for me... And I almost want to cut Adam's mic because he's going to be all over me here in a second. This moment, it lacks a little bit of pop. 
It's not as funny as I want it to be. No one's pissed off. I want like Chris Mullen to be like after the game, like fuck fucking Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson can eat my shit. Like I want somebody mad. I want something to, ha- I want Chris like Childs to slap LJ to like, you know, wake him up before that last free throw. I want something to give me a little bit of pop, something past the gameplay and the moment. That said, the true New York moment is I I think I think we have to as non-New Yorkers listen to Adam Pally when he says that he is a true New Yorker. The city is happy to have him represent us. He is anointing this a true New York moment and for that reason this moment is going in to the first Bell Hall of Fame. Oh my god. There it is. Successful appearance. Really swung it on your last sentence there. I was getting ready to, to, to absolutely bullseye this thing. What a save. Well, I think the main thing, it's true. When Next time you're at a New York sporting event and we are within striking distance but not winning and the game is close, look up at the screen. They're going to play that highlight <laughs> no matter what sport it is. And I think that's enough to transcend. <laughs> I was at a uh, Knicks game and the Giants had just won the Super Bowl and they put um, Justin Tuck up on the big mm-hmm. screen. And every every person in the arena was standing on their feet, tipping their hat, applauding. Yeah. And it just felt crazy special. If you've not been to a game in MSG, I implore you, save the money, get here, and go watch an NBA game at MSG. It's amazing. It's a one-of-a-kind one experience. It really is fantastic. Uh, Adam Pally. Thank you so much for being on the show. How can people follow you? I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> oh, got it. Got uh, it. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm, you know, on social media and 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 television and the movies and stuff. They can find me. He's the funniest, Adam Pally. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Neil. That's it. That's the show, and it yields a new credential: the jumbotron motivation. If your moment is played on jumbotrons to get the fans riled up, you got a chance to make the first Bell Hall of Fame. My thanks to Adam Pally for that, for being a great guest, and for taking advantage of how badly I want to be a born and raised New Yorker. Adam is exceptionally funny, well worth your support. Support that man and his work. We've had a ton of clips of the podcast do pretty well on social media, which has been great the last few weeks. That's because of the work of our new producer, EJ Kapasalan, another proud Filipino, and because of the support of Ball is Life. Thanks to them as well. Follow them at Ball is Life on all social. David Estramskis is our producer there. We can't forget the original two. Robbie Arucci edits the show. Jessica Sink produces it. Thanks to them as always. The show keeps growing. Great guests keep coming on. My thanks to you all for listening. Now, if you could do me just one more favor, rate and review us if you like the show. Please, I appreciate it. It would help us out. And please come back next week for more First Ballot. Uh, That's the greatest.